I, I truly believe, and I, I'm going to explain why. I truly believe God wants to do something significant today. Um, sometimes when we are, when we are um, going through the week, kind of preparing things for today, we'll do some cross-boarding or talking back and forth on, on Monday and then you know maybe a few times throughout the week. And for whatever reason, we didn't really get a chance to do that uh, this week. But I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Must have been, must have been Tuesday. Um, I, as I was working on some things I felt like God put on my heart, I went to Pastor Scott and I said, is there any way you could incorporate this song into your song list? And he looked at me and said, it's already in there. Now, that's a lot of songs, right? Like you could pick from. I say, could you... Could you, is there any way you could include that? He says, that's amazing, it's already on the list. So I went back to work, and I, that was a cool God moment right there, but I went back to work, and as I was working on some more stuff, I felt like God put another song for, that I wanted to have done here this morning. And so I went back to Scott, and I said, this is later in the day, or maybe the next morning, I went back to him and I said, I know this is a lot to ask, right? This is like above and beyond what, what, what I would expect or ask for. But because by that time, he's already got what he felt God put on his heart uh, to, to do in music that particular day. He's already got that fully developed. And so I said, but is there any way you could possibly do this song also? And he said, oh, that's amazing. It's already on the list as well. So... Um, so I just, I don't know, when God does stuff like that, I say, okay, you know, we're actually, uh, we didn't plan this, you know what I mean? It wasn't, it was by divine appointment, and so I really feel like God has something for us this morning. Um, if you've been with us over the last couple of weeks, you'll know that we've been uh, starting a new series called Body Parts. The first week I used this operation game to just kind of introduce the the thing, just a little fun, fun moment there with that. And we're particularly looking at, at how Scripture uses the human body as a metaphor to talk about the body of Christ or the church at large. And <clears throat> there's a lot of metaphors used in Scripture. Uh, uh, you know, there's the family is used as a likening to the body of Christ, uh, an army, uh, there's just a lot of them, and I shared some of those with you the first Sunday. But uh, above and beyond all of the ones that get talked about, this using the human body as a way to example or to link together our understanding with the body of Christ, it is used by far the most. And the verse we've been looking at is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, where, God's, where it says, but as it is, that means this is, this is the way it is, right? God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted, just as he wanted. I, that we live and move and have our being is actually from uh, Acts chapter 17. But anyways, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. I want to remind you again, as I said to you last week, that when the, when the scripture talks about a particular body part, whether it's a hand, a foot, an eye, uh, those kinds of things, an ear, uh, we must remember that those are not random parts. Those are not just parts. They are parts that are connected with systems that if it weren't for the systems at work, the part wouldn't be able to function like it should. You understand that, right? I mean, if your nervous system wasn't in place, your foot wouldn't know when to move or not move. If your brain wasn't attached to all that, you know, it, just, it would just be there and wouldn't be uh, an asset or functioning part. I gave to you as a working definition about system is a set of things working together as parts of a mechanism uh, as a, working together in an interconnected way, all right? The human body is not just a collection of random parts, but rather the, an amazing arrangements, arrangement of parts connected with systems in the body that work to benefit 
the whole body, in the physical, and I believe that's the way it should be also working in the spiritual. The church should be functioning in that way with parts doing their thing, connected with the systems that God has set in place for us to function well. I also said to you last week that all of this takes place on a, in a three-dimensional way. All of this has application to me personally, all of it has application uh, as it regards a local church at work. And then the third dimension is the greater church at large. And I'll come back to that at the end of uh, our discussion here this morning. I shared with you the 12 systems that are at work in, in, in amazingly at work in our bodies. Last week, we focused on the skeletal, skeletal system uh, and, and, and how that holds the body together and enables the body to move and do what it's called to do. Our frame, the frame of our body is the structural foundation upon which everything else is built. Okay, that was a little bit of review. Now let me start uh, where we wanna talk about today. Um, all of the systems of our human body are necessary, otherwise God wouldn't have made them, right? Right? I mean, they're all necessary, but it is my observation that some, uh, it seems like some, uh, I don't want to say have a greater level of importance, but I will say that on the, on the, on the, in, in the matter of importance, they seem to rise to the top. Let me explain what I mean. As an example of that, I want to draw from what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 after talking extensively in chapter 12 about the, the parts of the body and how they should work and how we should relate to, how they should relate to each other and things like that, he comes to chapter 13 and he says, and these three remain. You know the passage, right? It, it, it talks about some things and he says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But then he says, the greatest of these is love. Now, in a similar way, I believe all the systems that are at work in our bodies, both in our natural bodies and the life of the church, all of those systems that God has arranged in a certain way, all of them are vitally important. But it feels to me like there are some that, that, that kind of surface, like faith, hope, and love, uh, three things that, uh, that are uh, essential, I'll say it that way. It doesn't mean that the other systems, it doesn't mean that the other things are not important. He's simply underscoring how vitally important uh, the certain things are. And so I would say, in light of our conversation last week, I would say that our skeletal system, even though we don't think about it a whole lot unless we heard it, uh, I would say it's one of those up to the top level important systems in the body. Because if you didn't have your skeleton, right? As I said to you last week, we'd all just be a blob on the ground, right? It's what it's foundational to who we are, foundational to uh, us being held together and being able to move, right? So I liken that to um, you know the the knowing God's word and and having sound teaching and doctrine as 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 the framework for our, our us moving about in the world. We must have that as part of. Uh, you know, the foundational stuff. So this morning I want to talk to you about what I consider another rudimentary, like foundational type system at work in our human bodies. And I'm calling that the respiratory system. The respiratory system. Like, like it just seems like breathing is important. Right? Again, something we take for granted until you can't. Then you realize how important it really is. Now, the respiratory system is made up of various parts. The nose, the mouth, the pharynx, the larynx, the trachea, the bronchia, and of course, last but certainly not least, the lungs, right? 
That makes up, those parts there function within a system that's connected to other systems to help enable us to breathe. To freely exchange carbon dioxide for oxygen and then they, that in turn gets it into uh, another system to uh, essentially bring life uh, to our, our bodies, to our being. Now, here's some interesting facts about the respiratory system. At least I find them interesting. Did you know uh, that a sneeze can travel up to 100 miles an hour? Did you know that? I've heard some of you sneeze, and I believe you've broken the sound barrier with your, with your sneezing, right? Boom, boom, out it comes. Did you ever hold your sneeze? They tell you not to do that, right? Since I read this the other day, I'm like, dude, I'm holding back a 100 miles an hour uh, thing. No wonder other stuff will probably blow up inside of me. Okay. <laughs> Did you know that your nostrils take turns being the primary uh, passageway for air coming into your body? Did you know that? I didn't either. Yeah, one side works stronger than the other side, and then when it starts to get fatigued a little bit, it switches over to the other side. Isn't that amazing? That's why, uh, ha, 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 that's why at nighttime when some, I don't know if you've had this happen to me, I've had it happen to me, uh, I, I, I've rolled over and I feel like I'm not getting enough air. That's because the side that you're laying on is the side that's not the primary uh, intake at that moment. Uh, useless information, but uh, I find fun anyways. <laughs> Number three, uh, did you know that if you were to take the whole surface area of the alveoli, that thing, those things, those are the tiny air sacs in your lungs where, gas exchange, where the gas exchange occurs. Uh, if you were to take the surface area of all those things uh, and lay them out uh, uh, on the surface, did you know it would cover a tennis court? There's a lot of surface area in your lungs, right? Again, useless information you don't need to know, but fun. Did you know that humans are the only mammals that can't breathe and swallow at the same time? Try it sometime. It comes out your nose. That's how it works. Like it, you start, you're trying to drink and swallow and breathe. It, all that doesn't work. You got to stop one of them long enough to do what you're doing, right? Okay, just a couple other random things. Did you know that laughing, did you know that laughing uh, actually is one of the best exercises for your lungs? Maybe you knew that already, right? That's why you should probably laugh more than you do. It also gets more oxygen into your blood, which makes you feel like you have more energy, right? Woo, yeah. On average, last one, on average, uh, the average person breathes about 16 to 20 breaths per minute. If you add that up, you take over 20,000 breaths a day. That's a lot of air. That's a lot of air. Uh, the, I, I've gone to various websites to find these things, and, and uh, the, it's amazing what people have, all the things. You can find hundreds and hundreds of things about each one of these systems that are just interesting uh, type things. Okay, so one of the basic necessities of human life is our need to breathe. You gotta breathe. I see Dan here this morning he is abundantly aware of needing to breathe. And when you can't breathe properly, it just, uh, we take all of this for granted, many, many of us, but our bodies cannot survive 
without oxygen-rich air filling our lungs. It may be invisible, but it's imperative. You can't see it with your eyes, all of this happening. What I'm talking to you about right now, you can't watch other than someone's chest moving or maybe nose going back and forth like this. Sometimes my wife, if I'm on the couch taking a, a sleep, she said, I, I don't even know if you're breathing. I go up there just to see if you're moving at all, right? Invisible, it's happening, and we can't see it, but it's incredibly important. Now, respiration or breathing is a two-part process. There is the inhaling process, and there is the exhaling process, right? You need to do both. In fact, let's just, let's just practice what I'm saying to you right now. Let's, I'll take a nice deep breath in. And then you breathe that out, right? Two opposite things but both vitally important. If you don't know how vitally important that is, just stop doing one of them. <laughs> just stop, just not do one of them. And after a few seconds, you will fall down on the floor. Either pass out or dead, one of the two. You have to do both of them. You have to take in air. And you have to, either end of that, you hold your breath on, you're still going to pass out. You cannot take a breath and hold your, you know, not breathe, pass out. You can breathe in, hold that one, you're still going to pass out. You have to do both. You have to inhale and you have to exhale. Now, we got some really good news for all of us here today. Fortunately, that all happens without you and I even having to think about it. Aren't you glad for that? For those of us who are, are getting older and having a more difficult time remembering, I am super thankful that I don't have to remember to breathe. Oh, yeah. I better do that. It all happens because the respiratory system is connected to the nervous system and the nervous system is designed for it to tell your body to breathe involuntarily. Right now it's happening. Right now it's happening. And you didn't even have to think about it. I'm so thankful for that. In light of everything else I'm forgetting nowadays, I am thanking God that I don't have to worry about forgetting to breathe. It happens when you're awake and it happens when you're sleeping. When some of your other systems run down and shut off to give you a little bit of rest, that system is still at work. Inhaling and exhaling. Inhaling and exhaling. While the ability to breathe and respiration is generally attributed to the natural and so vitally important for our health and well-being, I'd like to suggest to you this morning that this respiratory system that God has arranged and set in place is also vitally important for the body of Christ. Let me explain. It just so happens that the word that God chose for breath in the, in the Hebrew language is the word ruah. Maybe you could say it with me on three. One, two, three, ruah. That's the name, ruah, for breath. the ruah of life, the breath of life. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 17, when God was talking to Noah about what he was going to do in the earth in bringing a flood to bear, 
He said, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has breath or ruah in it, I'm going to blot out. You all know you, we can't breathe underwater. You all know that, right? It's amazing, this uh, system that God has, has set in place, but there's certain boundaries to it, right? There's certain places where it doesn't work like it should, and breathing doesn't work underwater without some kind of help, right? In the Greek, the word for breath is the word pneuma. Pneuma. Now, you've heard this before. You didn't even know it when you heard it, but we hear it in our English language when you hear the word pneumonia or when you hear the word pneumatic, air, taking air in and expelling air. It's the Greek word for breath. In Acts chapter 17, verse 25, Paul is speaking, and in speaking about God, it says, he himself gives all men life and breath, pneuma, and everything else. So when the Bible speaks of a a natural respiration function, you and I breathing, the Bible attributes that process to originating from God. God gave you the ability to ruah. God gave you the ability to pneuma, to breathe. But the story doesn't end there. The words ruah and pneuma get translated breath or breath of life in the, in the, in the scripture, but they also get translated spirit. You've heard this verse before, Genesis 1-2. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That's the same word, ruah. Same word for breath. God's going to take away life from the earth by dealing with those who breathe, right? Right? But in this moment, it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The breath of God was hovering over the waters as creation began to take place. That's Ruah. In the New Testament, we read this ver- these two verses in John chapter 20. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Let me, let me help you with that. Let me translate for that for you. The first time it, it says, with that, he breathed on him. That's the word pneuma. He pneumed them. But then as the verse goes on, he said to them, receive the holy pneuma, the spirit, the breath of God. Receive that into yourself. For the body of Christ to be healthy and to be able to fulfill its reason for existence We have to have a healthy, functioning respiratory system. Breathing in. Remember, it's a two-part process. Inhaling and exhaling. Taking in and breathing out. As part of the body of Christ, we must see ourselves, each and every one of us, contributing to the life-giving process of inhaling and exhaling the breath of God, the Spirit of God, for ourselves and to those around us. Every one of us. 
if, for, if, if by chance, so one of us isn't inhaling and exhaling, that means we don't have a respiratory system functioning like it should. I'll get to more of that in just a second. I'm actually almost done. Just hang in there. Just as we play a vital part, I said to you last week, each one of us are bones in the skeletal system that helps support the body of Christ. So also are each one of us part of those, what are the, what, what, what is that thing there, that word, that alluvii or alluvii? Raviola, that's it. <laughs> Raviola. I can say that. Each one of us is one of those little sacks that takes in uh, air and expels air. If, I already said it. Remember, remember, this is three-dimensional. It is about me personally but it is more than that. It is about my, my part that I play, the role that I play in a, in a local body that, that God has connected me with. But it also has implication and application of the at-large body of Christ. So what, is, what am I trying to say to you? I'm trying to suggest to us this morning that just as we inhale and exhale in the natural process of breathing, so too we should be inhaling and exhaling the Spirit of God in our lives, giving life to those around us. It should be, you've heard this phrase probably before, it should be as natural as breathing. As natural as breathing. I want to talk about the individual aspect of this for just a moment. The individual. Say, that's me. That's you. That's me. I'm the individual. It's not about your neighbor right now. It's not about your husband. Not about your wife. It's about you. It's about me. There is an individual application to all of this. In Ephesians 5:18, Paul writes and he says, "Be filled with the Holy Spirit." Be filled with the with the pneuma, the breath of God. Be filled with it. The word filled in this passage is the word pleruo. You don't need to know how to spell it. You don't even need to know how to pronounce it. You just need to be filled with it. That's all I can tell you. A couple of things about this word. This word filled. Be filled with the pneuma of God. The spirit of God. The breath of God. Be filled with it. The first thing I want to tell you about this word filled is, is that it is found in the continuous presence Present tense. You know how words have tenses to them? This, one, this word filled is in the continuous present tense. Some translations actually pick up on that and they translate this, these, this verse, be continuously filled with the Spirit. Just like breathing. And out. In and out. Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, the word of God is saying to us in this moment, be continuously filled with the Holy Spirit. As you would take in air in the natural, so too take in the Spirit of God into your heart and into your life. Secondly, this word filled carries with it the idea of producing energy, movement. Sometimes when we think of something being filled, 
We think, for example, I'm going to fill this bottle with water. But then you can fill it with water and you can set it right here on the desk. And there, I mean, there may be something that I can't see happening, but there is, to my vision, nothing happening. And I think sometimes that people think that being filled with the Holy Spirit is just some kind of theological thing I have to have faith in. What I'm saying to you, that's not what this word means. This word means that when you are filled, it will cause you to move. Think of it this way. Think of a, think of a, uh, uh, well, I'm trying to think of what they call the things. Maybe I wrote it down here. Uh, a sail on a ship, right? And they turn that sail so that the wind will fill the sail with the idea of moving the boat on the water, right? There is movement attached to the filling. That's what this word means. Be continuously, meaning in, it's just, just like you breathe, and out. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But in that process, just like in the natural, you being able to breathe right now is part of the answer to you being able to move in just a minute. If you weren't breathing, you ain't moving. That's how it works. No, no air in, no air out, done. You're out like a light, right? Again, whether passed out, you ain't moving, or other, the other thing. Now, it's important for me to note that you can be filled with a lot of things. Yes, you can. You can be filled with a lot of things. Y'all have a saying out there. I've heard you say it before. They're full of something, right? You can be filled with a lot of things. In fact, in the Bible, this, this same word, filled, play ruo, play ruo, it gets used on other occasions than just the holy pneuma, Right? On one such occasion, it said that the, the Jewish leaders were filled with jealousy. And you know what? That filling gave them energy. That jealousy, that anger, whatever it was, moved them to try to kill Jesus. So you can be filled with a lot of things. Paul, in that passage in uh, Ephesians, he said, instead of being tanked up on wine, instead of being all filled up on the wineage, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying there, don't, don't get all drunken on, on that. Instead, put, put some usefulness uh, to the filling and be filled with the Holy Spirit. We should be continually filled with the Spirit. And we should be moved to say and do that which brings life to the world around us. We should be inhaling the Spirit and exhaling the Spirit. All right, how does this pertain to the local body? When the individual members of a local church are intentionally and genuinely pursuing the spirit-filled life, when you come here or when you gather in your homes with other fellow Christians, you are bringing life to the party, right? You're not walking in here as this dead zombie, right? You know, oh, take me to the church, and, uh, and there's a zombie on his way in, right? No, you're full, you're full of life. Yeah. You're full of love. You're full of all the things that the Spirit would put in us. You, you come ready, to, full of energy, to bring that to the table. Hello? Yes. 
I don't know. Not sure. Not sure. In Acts chapter 2, we get a window into what, a little bit of what the early church looked like. And it talks about them, you know, doing, doing things together, eating together, and praying together, and studying God's word together. All those things the early church was doing. It says they devoted themselves. They gave themselves to this process. And then it says, and then it says, with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Let me just tell you what that's describing. That's describing a life-filled atmosphere. That's what it's saying right there. So when they came together as a local church, they, there was life. Did you know that people are attracted to the living stuff? Well, there they are. When, when there's life going on, people are like, what in the world's going on here? You know, there's something happening. When something's dead, there ain't nobody. Well, why would anybody go to a dead uh, gathering and say, boy, I want to go do that again? Why would anybody want to do that? <laughs> nah, you can't put it any better than that, I guess. They're nuts. Can I just... Can I just tell you that that passage I just spoke to you of and read a portion of it to you, did you know, did you know that the verses right after that say that there was an incredible boom of salvations? Because people were attracted to the life. They said, there is something going on here. Do you know, do you know uh, we have guests, sometimes people from out of town that will come and visit us, and they'll join us here at church, and sometimes they're fellow ministers other places and whatnot, or people engaged in ministry at some level. And almost across the board, when we go to part ways, they will say something like this. They will say, Pastor Jeff, I don't know what you're doing here, but there is life in this church. And I, I listen, 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 listen. This is what I always say in return. This is what I always say in return. It's because there's a bunch of folks here that have a heart after God. And I believe that many of you want to pursue what it means to live the spirit-filled life. That's what brings life to this house. It's not me. I'm one of those sacks of air. I'm just one of those sacks of air in the lungs that's trying to understand what it means to breathe in the Spirit of God and exhale the Spirit of God. That's all I'm trying to do here is just play one of those little sacky things and do my job. Yeah. Play my part. Be a part of the system that God has set in place that works amazingly well when each part is doing its thing. Right? That's how God's arranged it. Inhaling the presence of God, exhaling life to those who we encounter. I also want to say this, that as your leadership team of this church meets together frequently, and we, and we in terms of discussion, but also in terms of prayer, our prayer, I want you to know this, our prayer is that if the Holy Spirit isn't at work here in our midst, then we are missing it. We have failed in some way. So it is our heart's cry, Lord, unless you are breathing your breath and moving in our midst, we're just going through the motions here and nobody, including myself, is interested in going through the motions. I got other stuff to do. I'll take my dog for a walk and I don't even really like my dog. <laughs> Jody's away right now in Africa. Of course, she's probably listening to this. Uh, I, she's growing on me. She's growing on me. We're doing better. We're doing better. We're doing better. All right. So there is an individual level 
There is, a, a, there is a, the, a, a local body of Christ level, and then there's the at-large body of Christ level. And, 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 and all, everybody's saying, everybody, you know, all the prognosticators and the, and the surveyors and all that, they're just talking about the decline of the church. Yeah, no, I, in case you haven't heard, the, the, the American church is in decline. There's building, and I've seen them with my own eyes. Churches that I, once were local churches that once uh, were doing its thing, closed. The one I grew up in in Pennsylvania, it's a wood shop now. It's a wood shop. Guy has a saw in there, saw and stuff. Yeah, it's closed. It's all closed. People couldn't get along. The systems took a hit. People leave. Community sees that. You know, what goes on here is not secret, folks. The community sees that and they say, you know, why would I want to get down there and get involved in a big argument? That doesn't sound like fun. No life in that. Why would I want to do that? Church in decline. I got good news. I got good news. God is still building his church. And I'm telling you, if, if a congregation, I don't care whether it's this one or the one next to us, if that congregation will cry out for the presence of God and open, you know, kind of lay their books open to him, you know what I'm saying? Let him see the whole thing. And don't do any more pretending. And they earnestly seek his face. God will pour out his spirit in any geographical location. And there will be life in that place. The at-large body of Christ, listen, the at-large body of Christ will be as vibrant and healthy as the local body of Christ is. And the local body of Christ will be as vibrant and healthy as the people who attend that local body are vibrant and healthy in their spiritual lives. People are attracted to life. Breathing is essential to life. Nobody likes to see people struggling to breathe. I'm asking you, I'm telling myself, may we each make sure that we are taking our responsibility to breathe in the Holy Spirit, the pneuma of God, the ruah of God. And when may we, as it's coming in and there's time to let it out, may we make sure that we're exhaling the pneuma of God, the ruah of God to the world around us. You can't inhale yeah, I'm sorry, you can't exhale what you haven't inhaled. Can't do it. May we repeatedly be asking God to fill us with his spirit. Remember, Paul said, be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We are as dependent upon this to be spiritually alive as we are the next breath we take in the natural. Now, there's a song, we didn't sing it this morning, but I don't think we sang it. I can't even remember what songs we sang, and I asked for a couple of them. How's that go? <laughs> Thank God I don't have to remember to breathe. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's your breath in our lungs. It's your breath in our lungs. It's your ruah. It's your pneuma in our lungs. May we be pouring out your praise. I want to ask you, I am purposely not having an altar call this morning. You say, well, man, I don't even know if I want to be a part of that church. <laughs> Start an argument. All right, go for it. Listen. <laughs> Listen, listen to me. Sometimes we are dependent upon others to try to do something in us spiritually that I need to take responsibility for. 
We get this dependence thing going on. Like, oh, I got a Pastor Jeff. I don't know. Listen, I'm asking, when was the last time you opened your mouth and asked God to fill you with his spirit? You ask God, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Give me your breath in my lungs, Lord. I'm asking you this morning to do that. I'm going to ask you to do it again before you go to bed. I'm going to ask you, just like you breathe. Just like you breathe. You need the Spirit of God in your spiritual lungs to stay alive. When you wake up tomorrow morning, Lord, I need some fresh breath here. I need your breath. I need your breath in my life. Uh, you know, you'll probably, you'll probably take, uh, let's see, if you're doing over 20,000 a day, you'll probably take four or 5,000 breaths by lunchtime. And it's probably about time to say, Lord, I need your spirit again in my life. When, you, when you're at work and you get all cranky, you know what I'm saying? You're all cranked up. Lord, I need your breath in my lungs. I'm running out of air here. I'm running out of air. I need your breath. When the neighbor's giving you a fit, Lord, I need your breath in my lungs. Here we are. I need to stay alive. I need to stay alive spiritually. Remember, you can be filled with a lot of things. And, and tragically, there are times when we're filled with things that aren't productive uh, spiritually at all. Not at all. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to shut up and ask you to stand. The respiratory system seems rather important to me. And God has, has intentionally linked together breath and spirit. He put those, he could have called it, he could have called it something else. But he chose to use the same word for breath for spirit. Because he wants to, us to understand that just as the human system, the human body needs breath to stay alive. You and I likewise need the spirit of God in our hearts to thrive spiritually. So I'm going to ask right now, if you would be so forward, and I, I know I'm asking some of you to step out of your comfort zone, but I'm asking, would you, uh, would you make your desire known to the Lord to be filled with his holy pneuma, his holy ruah, his holy spirit? If maybe you, maybe you just, uh, uh, you know, uh, open your mouth, uh, uh, lift up your head and say, right now, right now, all collectively, I'm not going to count the three or anything, but we can just all oh, audibly say to God, you can say, well, he knows my heart. Yeah, but he wants to hear your voice. He knows your heart, but he wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your cry. Just begin all across the room right now. Take personal responsibility for your own filling of the Holy Spirit. out of you I don't know how many of you ever had that happen before where you had the wind knocked out and you're in that moment 
where it's like, am I going to be, am I going to be able to breathe again here? You are desperate to breathe. I, I came close to drowning many years ago over on the Kinzu Dam. I didn't know how to swim at the time. I fell out overboard on a boat. The boat was traveling quite fast. So they were, you know, they got up the, the lake there, uh, the reservoir up ahead of me there and uh, didn't have a life jacket on. Uh, you know, uh, back in those days, you did things that you don't do today. But anyway, I'm there and I can remember going under and trying to catch a breath underwater. It don't work. It don't work that way. I'm telling you, when you get back to the surface of the water, somebody grabbed my hand and pulled me up. I'm so, I was so thankful. Coughing, spitting, but I was just thankful to take air in once again. Lord, we are desperate for you. We need, so need, to be filled with your Holy Spirit. This church, this church's very existence is dependent upon you filling us with your Holy Spirit. If your Spirit isn't here continuously filling our, our life and our work here in this church, Lord, then it's, it's time for us to turn the lights off and not pretend that we're somehow alive when we're not. And I pray for every little sack here represented, Lord, that, it, that we would be constantly taking in your presence, putting out your presence, Lord, taking in your presence, putting out your presence, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit was Paul's admonition. Lord, we take him up on that admonition and we pray, fill us. Fill us, Lord. Fill us. Move us. Give us that divine energy that propels us, Lord, to say and do the things that would bring honor and glory to your name. Life-giving. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Now,